This morning we're coming to uh, our final uh, talk in this uh, little series that we've called uh, The Extreme Makeover. We've been uh, working and playing around with that idea, like at the beginning of the new year, lots of people uh, want to come up with New Year's resolutions and change their lives and and make differences. And we've been asking what sort of makeover uh, would Jesus want to give us? And uh, to help us in that, we've been uh, looking through the book of James, working through the book of James chapter by chapter. And uh, we began in James chapter 1. Thinking about our ears and we said that Jesus would want to give us all big ears so that we can hear what God is saying and so that we can listen to one another. And then in James chapter 2 we were looking at hands and we reckon that Jesus would give us all dirty hands. And we were talking about the fact it's not just what we say and what we believe but it's how we live and what we do that really speaks the most about our faith. And then in uh, James chapter 3, we were thinking about the tongue and uh, how we need to tame the tongue and how we need to try and control uh, what we say and make sure that we're encouraging people and being positive uh, rather than being very critical and negative and that we're lifting people up rather than tearing people down. And then last week, we were thinking about our backs And we reckon that Jesus would want to give us hunchbacks in the sense that when we approach God, uh, we do have to bow down. And uh, we have to humble ourselves. And that's the only way that we can approach God. And so in our final uh, sermon in our series, uh, Extreme Makeover, in James chapter 5, we're thinking about the knees. Um, I did wonder about showing you my knees, but they're not great, my knees. Yeah, you're right to shake your head. They're not a pretty sight. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was 20, I went to see a doctor about my knees, and he suggested that I should give up playing football. And uh, not being very wise and uh, being quite immature, I carried on playing football till I was about in my 40s, and uh, I'm now paying the price after uh, cartilage operations, and goodness knows what, my knees are not in great shape. And uh, But I reckon Jesus wouldn't be too displeased with rough knees, not because you've been playing football, obviously, and uh, doing things that, you, uh, that are going to damage your knees, but because uh, we spend so much time on our knees in prayer, our knees become rough because we get down on our knees and we pray. And at the end of, uh, in, in the passage of James, uh, James talks about, uh, about how we can be more effective in our prayer life. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, most people actually uh, struggle in their prayer life. They find it difficult to pray. And uh, this morning we want to uh, encourage people in their prayer life, and so that they become more effective. More effective, I hope, than uh, a story I I came across about a minister who sadly died, but he did go to heaven. And uh, when he got there, he found out that a London taxi driver had been given a higher place than him. So he thought, I'll go and see St. Peter about this. I don't understand, he complained. I devoted my entire life to my congregation, and that taxi driver has been given a better place than me. What's it all about? St. Peter explained to the minister, our policy is to reward people according to their results. Now then, minister, 
What happened when you preached a message to your congregation? The minister thought for a while and then admitted that sometimes half the congregation fell asleep while he was preaching. Exactly, said St. Peter. Well, that London taxi driver, when people got into his taxi, not only did they stay awake, but they prayed. (laughs) This morning, I hope that the result of the message is that you won't go to sleep. (laughs) Uh, But you might be more effective in your prayer life. And in James uh, chapter 5... we get this idea that, uh, that one of the reasons we need to pray is sometimes we can't stand. We were talking about that last week when we come into the presence of God that we need to bow down. And sometimes when you can't stand, you just need to pray. And that's why we need to be on our knees. And in James chapter 5, what we actually get is, uh, is really um, the ABC of effective prayer. The ABC of effective prayer. The A stands for um, the application. (coughs) The application of effective prayer. The application of effective prayer. Or in other words, you know, when should I pray? When should I pray? This was the question that we were talking to the children about. And uh, James gives us several examples, doesn't he, about when we should pray. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. In other words, James is saying that whatever situation we find ourselves in, we should pray about it. And this is the application of effective prayer. In what situations do we pray? In all situations. If we want to be effective in our prayer life, then we need to apply prayer to every area of our life. Paul says something very similar, doesn't he, in his uh, letter to the Thessalonians. He says, be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. The truth is, is, is that in some circumstances, uh, it's more natural for us to pray than in others, isn't it? Um, James gives us three examples of situations in which we should pray. He says, first of all, pray when you're in trouble. Well, that's quite an obvious one, isn't it? Most of us, uh, that's what we would do, isn't it? If we found ourselves in a situation of trouble, it might be quite a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to pray. It's an obvious application for prayer. We've all, at some stage, prayed that prayer, you know, help, Lord, get me out of this situation, or help, Lord, uh, I'm in trouble. And uh, sometimes, though, troubles can seem so overwhelming that we are consumed by our troubles, and uh, not only can we not think clearly, but we don't always pray. That's where the application of effective prayer comes in. We need to make it a habit, a habit that we naturally pray. But for prayer to be effective, we also need to be able to hear God's response. I'm sure we've all prayed for God's help in times of trouble, but one of the problems is trusting God. I like the story of the man who was out walking, and he was walking along a steep cliff one day when he accidentally got too close to the edge and fell over. 
On the way down he grabbed hold of a branch which temporarily stopped his fall. He looked down and to his horror he saw that there was a huge drop. He couldn't hang on forever and there was no way for him to climb back up the steep walls of the cliff. So he began yelling, hoping that someone would hear him. Help! Is anyone there? For ages he yelled but no one heard him. He was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and how do you know my name? I'm God, Jack, and I'm everywhere. God, please help me. I promise if you get me down from here, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. I'll pray every day and be good. Easy on the promises, Jack. Let's just get you down from here first. Now, here's what I want you to do. Listen carefully. I'll do anything, Jack says. Just get me out of here. Okay, Jack. What I want you to do is let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me and I'll help you. There was a long silence. Finally, Jack yelled out, help, help, is anybody else there? Sometimes like Jack, we find it difficult, don't we, to trust God, to actually let go. What a lot of people do, and why prayer perhaps isn't effective, is we take something to God and we don't hand it over, we keep hold of it. And so our troubles, we carry them round with us. Uh, rather than handing them over to God and trusting God. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And so many of us carry these troubles and burdens around with us. And sometimes we have to let go and trust God. James gives two other examples of situations where we should pray. He says, when things are going well, is anyone happy? Uh, Let him sing praises to God. Again, uh, something that we uh, might always not remember to do. Uh, you know, sometimes we, record, we, we seem to turn to God in times of trouble. And uh, when things are going well, it's like, oh, we don't need you anymore, God. Uh, we'll call on you uh, when, we, when we need you. And uh, our relationship with God, um, if it's going to be a relationship, well, it's a bit like, you know, uh, a marriage, isn't it? Just imagine... You know, I'm married to Sue, but imagine if the only time I ever spoke to Susan was when I wanted her to do something for me. So, you know, can you make me a meal? Uh, Can you wash up? Uh, Can you iron my clothes? Uh, Can you do this? Can you do that? It wouldn't be a great relationship, would it, if the only time I ever spoke to my wife was when I wanted her to do something for me. And the same the other way around, you know, if the only time she ever spoke to me was when she wanted me to do something for her. That's not... Making a great relationship, is it? Uh, Philip Yancey, in his, uh, in his book, Prayer, Does It Make Any Difference, says, Prayer includes moments of, of ecstasy and also dullness, mindless distraction and acute concentration, flashes of joy and bounce of irritation. In other words, prayer has features in common with all relationships that matter. You know, the relationships that matter are relationships where conversation is quite natural, where you talk about everything, the uh, the things that don't really matter and the things that do really matter. And you know, sometimes we perhaps think we shouldn't bother God with these things because uh, they're so uh, matter of fact and they don't really matter. And uh, you know, in a relationship, you just talk to the person. It's not just about what we can get out of uh, that person. It's a relationship. It's a two-way relationship. And uh, one of the things that most of us are not very good at is listening. You know, it's back to the big ears. 
that we talk to God and uh, sometimes we don't wait for the reply. And uh, if our prayer life is going to be effective, the application has to be that we pray in all circumstances. Um, And it it is that relationship that we're building. And the more we talk to God and the more we listen to God, the stronger and deeper the relationship gets. The third example that James gives is the situation of, uh, of where somebody is sick. And uh, he says if anybody is sick, he should call the elders to the church to pray over him, anoint him in the name of the Lord. Again, uh, perhaps a more obvious uh, circumstances when we would pray for people when people are not well. So we see the application for effective prayer is to just pray in every situation, to be always praying. You know, don't just pray when you're in trouble. Uh, Don't just pray to God when somebody's sick, but be constantly in that prayerful conversation with God. So that's the A of uh, effective prayer life, because we want our prayer lives to be effective, and the A is the application. Uh, The B is the, you know, what's the benefit of effective prayer? What is the benefit of effective prayer? Or to put it another way, You know, what happens when we pray? What actually happens when we pray? Verse 15, uh, James says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So what are the benefits of prayer? Well, prayer offers us healing, it offers us forgiveness, salvation. And our faith and our prayer life can actually affect our health. Our prayer life and our faith can actually affect our health. For example, one of the major causes of illness today is is stress-related illnesses. That's one of the main uh, things that affects people. There's, there's always uh, tables about how many days of work are lost due to, to stress. And we're forever being, being told uh, how, how many people suffer from stress. A healthy prayer life will reduce your stress. Because you can do something with the worries and ex- anxieties. You can give them over to God. In, our, uh, in the Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren, uh, the book that we're going to be using in the 40 Days of Purpose, says this. Knowing God's purpose for creating you will reduce your stress, focus your energy, simplify your decisions, give meaning to your life, and most important, prepare you for eternity. Just a little reminder that uh, we are going to be doing this uh, 40 days and we are counting down. Uh, Does anybody know how many days there are to go? You gave it away then. (laughs) 28. 28 days and counting. Just a little reminder. Keep those dates fixed in your mind. Uh, But the reason we're doing this is to encourage people in that discipline of uh, having a daily devotion. Of stopping and and creating a time to read and to pray and to think. And as Rick Warren said in, in the book, there are benefits. It will reduce your stress. It will focus your energy. It will simplify your decisions because you're involving God in your life. And one of the benefits is that, that involving God in our lives, that God actually wants to help us. He wants to be with us 
And uh, he doesn't want us to be stressed out and, uh, and to, be, to be full of worries and woes. He wants to help us and he wants us to come to him with all these things. Another benefit is, uh, you know, is forgiveness. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Again, many people carry around with them the guilt of things that they've done or said or the things that have happened years and years ago. And people carry these things around with them. And again, this affects people's uh, mental state. It affects their health because we tend to carry stuff around. And another mistake, just as, as, as we take our prayers and our troubles to God, what we do is we go to God and we say we're sorry. Um, but maybe we have a, a struggle in believing that God can actually forgive us. Because I've known people who have been sorry for the same sin time and time and time again. You know, and once we've said we're sorry, God, it's amazing, and this is the great news of the gospel, is that God forgives us. We don't need to carry the burdens of all the wrong things that we have done, all the wrong things that we continue to do, and all the wrong things that we will do. God can forgive us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That forgiveness is freely available. And uh, once we say, you know, we're sorry, uh, the slate is wiped clean. It's not like with humans, you know, uh, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget it. I'm going to hold it and carry it around with me for the rest of my life and I'll remember it and I'll remind you of it. God isn't like that. Thank, thank goodness. Uh, very often, sadly, we are, aren't we? We can't quite let go. Somebody's hurt us, somebody's done something, and we carry it with us, and it harms us, of course, and destroys us. But God isn't like that. God forgives us and wipes the slate clean. And a lot of people struggle with that, because it seems too good to be true. It seems too easy. It's like, you know, it can't be that simple. And yet, this is what the Bible says. It's called grace. It's not because we don't deserve it. It's because God is graceful. So these are the benefits of effective prayer. And then finally, the condition of effective prayer. You know, what are the conditions? Or to put it another way, you know, does God always answer my prayers? Does God always answer my prayers? Because... Reading James, it sounds very simple, doesn't it? If any one of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has been sinned, he will be forgiven. So on. Sounds very simple, isn't it? But the reality is we all know of people that we've prayed for uh, that sadly haven't got better. We all know... um, that sometimes it feels like our prayers aren't answered. I was interested to, uh, to uh, be looking at this book recently, Philip Yancey's book on prayer. I commend it to you. It's, it's really good. And uh, in it, he says this, I once wrote an article uh, titled, Jesus Unanswered Prayers. Ooh, that's a bit worrying, isn't it? Jesus Unanswered Prayers. And he says, Jesus knows the heartbreak of unanswered prayers. His longest prayer... After all, this is in John 17, centres in a request for unity. The slightest acquaintance with church history shows how far that prayer remains from being answered. And uh, Philip Yancey prays, I mean, I was fascinated with this, the idea that, that Jesus prayed prayers that question mark, were they answered? And he kind of plays around with this idea that Jesus also knew what it was like to pray 
and maybe not get an answer straight away. And another example that it gives is, uh, you know, in the... Uh, in the Last Supper, when, uh, when, when Jesus and was, was, was foretelling of Simon's betrayal. And in Luke, he says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And you wonder, you know, did Simon's faith fail when he denied Jesus? Was Jesus' prayer at that moment in time uh, unanswered? Or is it just that our perspective of prayer is so limited... Uh, that we don't really understand because of the sense in which, well, it wasn't answered in the immediate because Peter goes out and denies Jesus. And at that stage, you know, you could say that it failed. But of course, we know the story of Peter. Uh, he goes on to become this great leader uh, of the early church. And so in a sense, in the long term, uh, Jesus' prayer, of course, is answered because G- Peter's faith doesn't fail. And he, he goes on to to, uh, to do wonderful things. But it's just this idea of, you know... Sometimes, again, we want everything to be quite simple. You know, if God, if, if I pray and it happens, then, then God has answered my prayer. If I ask for something and it doesn't happen, then God hasn't answered my prayer. And it isn't quite as black and white as that. And James seems to be saying um, that what we need to be doing is to be relying on God. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Sometimes people, of course, will say, well... Maybe it's because we haven't got enough faith. And maybe they will think they find support in this passage. You know, the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Again, I, I just think that's too simplistic because it, it kind of bases it all on us. And, uh, you know, if, 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 uh, if God's plan for this world is, 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 is focused on just on us and us in our own strength, then we are in big trouble. But it seems to me um, that there is a mystery around prayer and we have to live with that. But we have to rely on God and we have to realise that the condition for effective prayer is to have faith. And faith actually is not about what we see and what we get. You know, in Hebrews, uh, the writer talks about, you know, uh, faith is, is about what we don't see. And sometimes, you know, faith involves believing when we can't see or understand what God is doing. That's real faith, because it's easy to believe, you know, when things are happening and everything's going as we want it to do, and God's doing exactly what we want, it's dead easy to believe that there's a God up there looking after us. But when things are going wrong, that's when faith really kicks in. Because our faith is tested. And so we have a limited perspective. We can only view life from here on earth. And we think health is good, and we think death is bad. We think health is good, and we think sickness is bad. But Jesus came and he defeated death and sin once and for all, offering us life beyond the grave. I cannot tell you why some people get better and some people don't, but listen to an experience from Tony Campello. Tony Campello speaks on an occasion when he prayed for someone who was very sick. He was asked to pray for the man who had cancer. Campalo prayed boldly for the man's healing. The next week he got a telephone call from the man's wife. She said, you prayed for my husband. Campalo thought he was about to hear her, use the, hear her use the past tense that the cancer had been cured. But before the woman responded, before he responded, the woman said that sadly her husband had died. Campalo felt terrible, but the man's wife continued, don't feel bad. 
When he came to church that Sunday, he was filled with anger. He knew he was dying and he hated God. He was 58 years old and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God at night. The more his anger grew to God, the more miserable he came to everyone around him. He was awful to be with. But the lady told Campalo, after you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy came into his life that had been lost. Tony, the last few days have been the best days of our life. We sung, we laughed, we read scripture, we prayed, and we just called to thank you for laying hands on him and praying for healing. And when she said this, something incredible, they said something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. Just an example of, uh, that many of us can probably identify with. We've prayed for people, and uh, the result hasn't been the result that we would have desired. And sometimes we have to leave things with God. So the condition for effective prayer is reliance on God. We have to trust in God. We have to put our faith in God and uh, believe that he knows best. The other condition is that right relationship. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And James gives the example of Elijah the prophet. He prayed earnestly for rain and it did not rain. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. How do we make sure that we're in a right relationship with God? Well, it's the same as being in a right relationship with anybody else. You have to do something about the things that spoil the relationship. The way James describes this is to confess our sins and to pray for one another. And so there we have it. The ABC of effective prayer. The application, you know, pray at all times. The benefit, you know, we receive healing, we receive forgiveness, we receive restoration. The condition is we have to rely on God and we have to do all that we can to make sure that we are in a right relationship. And so we come to the end of this extreme makeover series. Because in looking at the book of James, what we've been thinking about is how God transforms people's lives. We're in the business of changing and transforming people's lives. We don't want things to remain the same, and we don't want to remain the same. And the more we become like Jesus, the more attractive to God and to other people we become. And so, on our knees, let's just pause and let's just reflect as we prepare to come on our knees and meet around the Lord's table and remind ourselves of what it is that Jesus has done for us and so that our lives can be changed and transformed.